Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. This morning, we are continuing in this sermon series that we're calling Rest for the Weary. And in this series, we're looking at these struggles that are common to the human experience. They are part of life under the sun, life this side of heaven. They're not what we were created for, but they're part of our experience because we live in a world that is affected by sin. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the topic of anxiety. Anxiety. It's part of the human condition. As we're going to talk about today, it's something that we all struggle with. But it seems like there's something about the modern world. There's something even about this time we're living in right now where many people are indicating and are reflecting that the levels of anxiety are just off the charts. It's, it's a wide ranging epidemic uh, right now. And there's something about the modern world and the way we're doing life that is not working for us. And so anxiety is a feeling of worry, of nervousness, of unease, typically about an upcoming event or something with an uncertain outcome. Here's how the APA, the American Psychological Association, defines anxiety. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension. Worried thoughts, physical changes like increased blood pressure. People with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. They may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or a rapid heartbeat. Now, I learned something this past week. Uh, It's not surprising, but I learned that anxiety disorders are the most common type of mental illness. The most common. There are different versions of variations of anxiety disorder. And according to some estimates, as many as one-third of all adults will struggle with an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. Now, since we just talked about fear last week, I think it would be helpful to differentiate between fear and anxiety because they're closely related, uh, but there is a bit of a nuance. So again, from the APA... They say anxiety is not the same as fear, but they're often used interchangeably. Anxiety is considered a future-oriented, long-acting response, broadly focused on a diffuse threat, whereas fear is an appropriate, present-oriented, and short-lived response to a clearly identifiable and specific threat. So I think anxiety in general is the more long-term noise in our lives. It may be the result of some fearful or traumatic circumstance, but often when we talk about maybe as a fear, may be more specifically characterized as anxiety. It's something that, that all of us experience. We get anxious before we take a test or before we have to uh, make a presentation at work or maybe when we're facing an evaluation. We get anxious when we face unfamiliar circumstances or situations or unknown outcomes. Like most things in life, I think that it's not so much of a do you struggle with it or not. It's not a yes or a no. It's not an on or an off. But the question is, what is the volume on anxiety in your life? 
I think it's more like a dial. Again, life on planet Earth, we're all facing daily struggle with with anxiety and with worry. But when it becomes a problem is when the dial is turned up too high for too long. And again, I'm not a a mental health expert, but just from my experience and what I've read, I think this is when it becomes a problem. There's, There's a certain measure of that. And we're challenged daily to turn those things over to God. We have to learn coping strategies. We have to learn to manage stress and anxiety in our lives. But it becomes a problem when the volume is turned too high for too long. You've probably all had this experience. See, what happens is the volume is already pretty high, and then there's something else that happens that turns it up even higher. And then there's something else, and that something else ends up being the thing that causes you to explode or causes you to unravel. And often you'll say, well, looking back, it wasn't that thing, but it was the thing before the thing, or the thing before the thing before the thing. You see, the volume was already high, and then it was just too much. Because sometimes in life, that's where we find ourselves. We say the volume is too high, the temperature is too high. We can think of it that way. And it's more than we were created to manage. This is when it becomes unmanageable. It disrupts our normal relationships, prevents us from doing things that we enjoy or from fulfilling responsibilities at school or work or in our family or our close relationships. And so this morning we're going we're gonna to look at this topic and I think we're going to apply wisdom from the teachings of Jesus to see that he understands the anxiety that we're going through. The Bible talks about this because... It's a real struggle. And I want us to find encouragement for our anxious and weary souls. And so Jesus says, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Some translations say, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So this word worry or anxiety is clearly the key key idea. It's the key word. It shows up six times in 10 verses. It can be used in both a positive or a negative way, the same word here in the original language. It can be used positively to express intense concern or care for something, such as Paul. He says that he was concerned for the Lord's work in 1 Corinthians 7 or concerned for a person's welfare in Philippians 2. This is an appropriate concern, and therefore it's translated in our English Bibles concern rather than anxiety or worry. We might think of this as a vested interest. There are things that we have buy-in, and it's appropriate. However, the same word can also be used to express intense feelings of anxiety about issues of life, unfamiliar situations, pressing matters, or even inordinate concern about something that is of lesser importance. It's the same word that's used by Paul in Philippians 4, 6, another familiar passage where he says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what is Jesus telling us to do here? I don't think that he's discouraging hard work. I don't think that he's discouraging planning. It's not like, you know, hakuna matata. Hey, if everybody can just chill out and just relax and let's just, you know, everything's fine in life. Let's just pretend that everything's okay. And let's just adopt this mentality that, you know, every day is a day at the beach. That's not, 
No, that's not what Jesus is telling us to do. And in fact, some translations can be unhelpful here. In the King James, it says, take no thought. I don't think that's it. I don't think Jesus is saying, take no thought. But he's saying that when we experience anxiety and worry, we're to come to him. Right? This is the invitation of Jesus throughout this series. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. That's all of us. And he's graciously inviting us when we experience these things to turn in to him. Because the goal is greater trust in God. That's ultimately why anxiety is bad for us. Because when we're, when we're consumed with worry and anxiety, it can prevent us from trusting in God. And that's what we were created for. We were created to trust God, to be in a dependent relationship. This also causes us to turn inward rather than to him. So Jesus makes a case for why trusting in him leads to a more abundant life and why worry and anxiety can actually do the opposite. They can rob us of true life. So his first big idea in this teaching is how much more? How much more? He uses two examples here. He uses the birds and he uses the flowers of the field. And he says, look, if God can take care of these little things, if he can care of, take care of these details, if he cares for his creation so well, how much more does he care for us? Human beings, people made in the image and likeness of God. That's what makes us unique. God cares for all of his creation. It's not that he doesn't care. He does care, but he says, how much more does he care for us, for people? We are unique. We are the pinnacle of creation. We are the crowning glory of God's creation because we are made in the image of God. And Jesus says, look, if, 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 if God cares, if the Father cares for these birds and does such amazing things through creation, how much more does he care for us? Does he love us? And the daily worries and anxieties of the ancient world were different than the reality for many of us. Some of Jesus' audience would have had concern for daily bread. Literally, they did not have very much. Many of us probably rarely, if ever, will worry if we have enough food to make it through today. But let's not miss the challenge. You see, when Jesus said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, he was talking about physical bread, but it's more than that. And see, that can be the problem. Sometimes when we have the physical resources, we think we're fine. We think we're good. But just like the people back then, our lives are still filled with anxiety and worry. We still struggle to trust. And what Jesus is calling us into is a daily relationship of trusting in him. We face situations and decisions that people back then did not have. They had their struggles. Life was, was hard. I'm glad I'm living now versus then. But yet we have our unique challenges as well. That are a result of technology. That are the result of the complexity. We face decisions that, that they didn't back then. So Jesus' big idea here first is that when we have anxiety, we can trust in God's provision and his great love for us. Psalm 55 says, Cast your cares or your burdens upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Now, that's not a magic wand that's going to make your situation suddenly turn out great. It doesn't mean that every story or every hardship 
is going to end with a nice bow and every, every story is going to be great and there's going to be great resolution. No, we're not promised that. But Jesus promises us, us that in these struggles, in these cares, that we can turn to him and that he will be with us and that he loves us and he will never leave us or forsake us. This is his promise to us. How much more does he love us? And then his opposite, he makes the opposite point right after this. He says, how much less are our lives when they are consumed and overcome by worry? Verse 27, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Worry and anxiety doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, it's the opposite. We know that worry and stress and anxiety, if we don't manage it, if we don't deal with it, it will consume us and it will take away from us. It can take away from our life. It can rob us from God's goodness. It can rob us from the fruitfulness of life in him. Worry can take away from our lives. It takes and it takes and it takes. How much less? And then he builds on an argument in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Worries and anxieties become cumulative. That's what Jesus is arguing. The cumulative. If we borrow from yesterday and we, and we pay a debt on those things, and then we also borrow from the future and we add that to today's worries, which there are enough, it's just too much. We weren't created with the past capacity to manage all of these things, our past, our present, and our future. And we get ahead of ourselves. And it's exhausting. We've probably all heard the proverbial saying, take it a day at a time. And it's true. It's powerful. That's what Jesus really is, is calling us to. Again, there's wisdom in planning. He's not saying take no thought for your future. But the general posture of our lives is that we are called to take it a day at a time. Because we're finite. We're limited. Sometimes we have to take life not a day at a time, but an hour at a time. Or even a minute at a time. So a number of years ago, I unwisely took on this at-home exercise program. Maybe you heard of it. It's called P90X. Anybody? Yeah. And remember one of the sayings of the guy is so annoying, but he would say, you can do anything for 30 seconds. You know, and it's like, don't just take life a minute at a time, 30 seconds at a time. And there were times I was thinking, no, Tony, I can't do this ab routine for 30 seconds. I just can't do it. It's too much. But the point, each day has enough trouble of its own. We have to take life a day at a time, an hour at a time, a minute at a time. To pray as Jesus taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. When we worry, we must remember that God loves us so much more than we could imagine. And our lives will be so much less when we don't fully trust in him. The anxieties and worries of this life can squeeze the life out of us. I was thinking of this image of like a beautiful garden. But then over time is neglected and, and, and overgrown and you can't see the beauty there. And it just looks like this chaos. And even the, the thorns and the weeds crowd out the beauty of the flowers. And that made me think of Jesus' parable, one of his parables, where he talks about different kinds of seed. And he said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is what worry does to us. It's like a fog. It makes it difficult for us to see what's right in front of us. 
like a swirling storm inside of our heads. And so in this teaching, Jesus offers us a couple of points of comfort, but also some challenges. So the comfort first, the first one is simply that God knows what you need. He knows what you need. It's right there. He knows. He knows everything. He created you. He designed you. He knows what you need. Now, he still tells us to seek him, to tell him the desires of our heart. But he knows. He knows what we need. And then related to that truth, it says God will supply your need. All these things will be given to you as well. He brings the argument to a pinnacle, stating that if priorities regarding the kingdom and treasures on earth and heaven are rightly ordered, God will provide for fundamental human needs. Now, the problem here with this that's presented to me that I can't solve for you in, in a short amount of time, in fact, I don't even have all the answers for it, is that we look at a promise like this, but we also know that there are people in the world, including Christians, who do lack. And that's not necessarily the primary goal of my sermon this morning, but we're in this text, and I think that that's a reasonable question to ask. It's certainly a question that I ask as I look at this, and I think, okay, you promised, but yet there's also some people who do lack. And, and I don't have a complete answer for you, but I, I do have one possible perspective on that. And that is that when Jesus made this promise, he also assumed in that promise that the people of God would be living into the values that he gave. And the people of God are called throughout the New Testament to be generous toward those in need, to help those who have lack. And so it's possible that when we see a lack of fulfillment of this verse, that it's not a failure of God's faithfulness, but it is a failure on behalf of God's people to live fully into his kingdom vision for us. Again, that doesn't resolve all the tension there. There's mystery. There's things that we don't fully understand. That's my really short answer and one possible explanation of how to unpack this promise. But I think our general posture is to see that God promises that he will supply. He will supply our need. But he also has a demand of us in that. And that is that God wants our hearts. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. God wants us to trust him first. To trust him in all things. And that's hard. That takes faith to believe that he is sovereign, to believe that he is good when we have all these tough questions in our lives, to believe that living into his new kingdom reality should be the priority in our lives. And I think we also see here that trust is central to our testimony as the people of God. Radical trust in him in the midst of uncertainty and challenge and struggle. It's a defining mark of the life in Christ. Our trust in God makes us a distinct people. He says, look, Even the pagans, they run after these things. They want these things. They desire them. Will you be different? Will you trust me for them? Rather than running yourself ragged, will you have faith in me? Because that is one of the ways that we testify to the world that there is a God who is good. There is a God who provides for us. There's a God who is loving and who is caring. And so the challenge for us is to trust in him because it's central to our unique testimony. So what do we do to turn down the volume? Like most things in life, again, it's it's a dial. It's not a yes or no, but it's a degree. And the question is, to what degree is anxiety robbing me of true life? 
To what degree is anxiety keeping me from trusting in God? And therefore, how do I, by God's grace, turn down the volume on anxiety that we all struggle with? And so I begin there with the foundational things that we know that we need to do to grow spiritually. But we're called to seek first. And so I think reading scripture can be helpful, in particular the Psalms. I think it's sometimes it's good. I've known people going through really difficult things who actually found it really helpful to read places in the Bible that weren't all the really happy promises. They read the book of Lamentations. They let they read the psalmist who were struggling with the hard realities of life. But to read scripture, to read God's eternal truth, and to pray often, to remember that we have access anywhere, all the time, in the midst of our struggles in the midst of our anxiety we have access to the father and we can turn to him in prayer to pray often it can be helpful for some people to write down these things to journal i definitely want to encourage you as pastor colin did a great job a few weeks ago because all these things are overlapping right depression anxiety it's often these overlapping layers just like i started at the beginning of this series showing that all of life overlaps and he did a great job of encouraging us to reach out to lean into the community that we have often when we're when we're struggling we we turn in on ourselves when we need to turn out to friends to family to support it may be reaching out to a pastor or a spiritual mentor it may involve reaching out to a mental health professional to your doctor those can be ways that god can help us through these things and we don't want to neglect that because it may be that therapy it may be that medicine is what helps turn that down the dial just to a more manageable point in life so then you can still ride the ups and downs of life i give practical advice here i don't have chapter and verse and all of these to prove them but i think they're wise based on what we've learned about human behavior and the human body we need to slow down when the volume is too high for too long Sometimes the only option you have is you've got to say no. You've got to slow down the pace because there's just too many things. Sometimes we have to do that preemptively, knowing that we're coming up into a difficult season. There may be things that we have to say no to ahead of time because it's just too much. Turn off. This is a particular challenge for us. And there's a lot of things in that, but I think that we need to turn off screens. We all know it. We think it's a generational thing. We think, it, we think it's a young people problem. We're all looking at screens too much. Whether it's a TV or a computer or your phone, we hover different, but we know. We know it's too much and everybody hates it. Well, here's another somebody else harping on technology. I'm not anti-technology. I know it's part of our lives, but we can do a better job of managing how much time we are in front of screens. And we know, we know it's too much and it's not good for us. And so we have to turn down that dial because it's, it is contributing to our anxiety. We know it. And so we struggle. I know it's hard. I've got places, I've got a little dish in my house where I try to put my phone. And am I always like perfect and it's there for 12 hours and I don't touch it? No. But I'm trying because I know that if I'm always connected, it's always in my pocket, it's always buzzing and dinging at me, it's contributing to anxiety. And so we have to disconnect. We have to pull back from some of those things. Now, listen, my goal is not, I'm not here to shame you. If you're in a unique situation right now where there are times and seasons because of work or some family obligation, you've got to stay connected. Look, I get that. But for most of us, we have control over this. But we're addicted. 
And turning down that volume, part of turning that down and saying no for us, certainly, is placing limitations on technology because it is it's hard on us. It is contributing to our anxiety significantly. Look, these other things, they're practical advice. You didn't have to come to church to, for somebody to tell you you need more sleep, and sleep's good for you. But as your pastor, I care about you holistically, and so if you're not getting enough sleep, you need to get more sleep. That's, again, easier said than done. But... It contributes to that volume being turned up when we're not getting enough sleep. We need to get outside. We need trees. We need to walk under trees. God gave us the gift of creation. Let's do it. Let's do more of it. This is good for us. We need to start moving. We need to go for a walk. We need to move our bodies if we can. These are all, these are all part of the equation of turning down that dial on anxiety. So that we can, so we can be healed. We can be whole. This is this is a struggle for all of us. Let me tell you, tell you. I mean, even just the idea of preaching a sermon on anxiety is this kind of sounds like a joke, but it is a little anxiety-inducing because I know, like, I can say things that are unhelpful, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to contribute to the burden and to the shame. I want to talk about this because it's a real topic. Because Jesus talked about it. Because He knows, He knows the human experience. And he cares for us. And we're all struggling with this to a degree. So we need to say, God, how, God, we need your help. We need your grace. Because it's too much. This life is too much. We turn on the news, it's too much. We get up out of bed, our lives, our struggles, it's too much. It's too much for us. Because it's not the way it's supposed to be. But God's invitation to us, the invitation of Jesus, who became human, who took on flesh, who voluntarily entered into this mess that we have made of our world, says, I know you're weary. I know you're burdened. I know it's too much. So let's do this together. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those of you struggling with anxiety, come into the yoke with me and let me help you. Let's use wisdom to turn down the volume on these things that are crushing us and are crushing our soul. So take that list. Don't try to do all 10, 11, how many there were. Don't try to do all of them before you go to bed tonight, okay? But pray and ask God, God, what steps can I take with your help, infused with your grace? What steps can, can I take to turn down that anxiety on my life? Because otherwise, the volume gets too high for too long, and we break down. And we make bad decisions, and we turn away from God and away from others, and we turn towards things that we think are going to turn the volume down, but they don't actually. They turn the volume up. And so we need, we need to turn the volume down before becomes too much. And so we need to reach out. We need to get help. That's my prayer for you. That's my heart for all of us this morning, because it's a lot, right? Life is a lot. A lot of what? A lot of everything. It's a lot. If you look around this room, there's people here, some of them to help you. Some of, some of it's just good to know when you're talking with other people, because we, we sit here and I look out and I think, you know, okay, there's probably some people here in the room that are like a 10 out of a hundred and you're actually a 60 we just sort of assume like everybody's doing fine. No, it's, it's a lot. We can only do this by, with God's help. And we can do this together. 
That's our heart behind this series. Let's pray about these things. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the promises of your word and the promises of grace upon grace for this difficult journey of life. And I pray this morning for my friends of every age and every stage and every season of life that you will speak your word of grace and comfort to them today. That in their anxiety, God, that you would promise a peace which passes all understanding. You would promise help to them to come alongside them. You would promise the people of God to come around them. God, that you would give us the courage to reach out. Give us the courage to seek your face. To turn down the volume on the anxieties and worries of life. And that we might find true life in you. Father, give us this peace. Bless us with your presence and with your comfort and with hope. Lord, we need you. Help us to trust in you and to give ourselves over fully into your care. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.